Where's everybody else? Oh, baby, they couldn't come. They wanted to so much. No, I didn't fall asleep in the back of the cabin jewel all over you, did I? You do drink this spit! Come on, you guys, let's press it. Redemption is beautiful. Every Christmas season, we're immersed in stories that celebrate and embrace this reality. And often the stories and scenes we remember the most are the ones that depict redemption in all of its sparkly beauty. For example, in Home Alone, Kevin McAllister starts out as a kid who only wants to grow up and get married so he can finally live alone and be rid of his awful big brother Buzz and the rest of his family too. But at the end, when his family returns home, after everything he's been through, he's happy for the first time in the film to be back together with them. His relationship with his family is redeemed, and he is too. And we see the same thing with Dr. Seuss's Grinch and Dickens' miserly old Scrooge, both of whom go through their own journeys of redemption also. We love these stories because they display for us in full and living color the wonder of redemption of a life gone bad only to somehow be restored and return to goodness once more. Yet no matter how much we enjoy redemption on the screen or the page, we sometimes struggle to believe it's possible in real life. We struggle to handle conflict and wonder if we'll ever figure out how, or we're plagued by worry constantly, not knowing how to ever find peace, or maybe we've even been wounded by someone else, and in our bitterness, we doubt that they could ever really change or be redeemed. We delight in redemption stories, but we struggle to believe that redemption could be possible for us and for others. I say, what's today? Eh? What's today, my fine fellow? Today? What Christmas day? It's Christmas day. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. They can do anything they like. Of course they can. Of course they can. <laughs> Hello, my fine fellow. Do you know the poulterers on the corner? I should hope I did. <laughs> what an intelligent boy. <laughs> Do you know whether they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging there? Not the little prize turkey, the big one. The one as big as me? What a delightful child. Yes, my book. It's hanging there now. Is it? Go and buy it then. Walker. No, no, I'm in earnest. Go and buy it. Bring it back here and I'll give you a shilling. Come back in less than five minutes and I'll give you a half a crown. I'll send it to Bob Cratchit's. He shall know who sent it. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim. <laughs> Merry Christmas to everyone listening and welcome to an episode of the Foley Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam and I get to serve as uh, one of the executive pastors here at SMCC. And with me, as you've already been Hearing a little bit from so far is Trevor, pastor of Teaching Discipleship, who I, I would assume you, most of you are familiar with. Um, glad to have you on for this special, yeah, a special Christmas episode yeah, of, absolutely. of our podcast. Yeah, our Christmas edition. I'm glad to be here for it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's cool to have a little bit more of a creative approach to some of our material mm-hmm. rather than just being like, hey, we got something that we think is is helpful and hopeful, and so let's just either kind of read it straight or put it into maybe a Devo or an email that you would read. Let's take a more creative approach to our to our content. So I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. It's yeah. a good idea. Um, so we've got um, a text, kind of a core text for our 
for our episode for today that's going to help us really work through um, some 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 ideas related to the gospel well. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like we're headed to the book of Acts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Acts chapter 20 is this passage where uh, we see the Apostle Paul, right, where really uh, a huge chunk of his life story is recorded in the uh, in the book of Acts. And at this part, um, Ephesians is a, or Ephesus is a city where he did ministry for a long time. And so he's got really well-developed friendships there. And he's actually just passing through on his way back to Jerusalem. And he's kind of later in life and he has a sense that he's heading back to um, some circumstances that are going to be a little bit difficult. And so he and these um, elders, these Ephesian elders, the leaders of the church in the city of Ephesus, that uh, they're all really good friends and they have the sense that this is going to be the last time that they really have together. Got it. And so Paul actually is in a nearby town and he sends word to them so they can come and see each other, kind of have these parting words and, uh, and share this one last moment together. And what's fascinating about the passage is you get this picture of these really close, these really intimate friendships. And, uh, and Paul is knowing that this is going to be the last time with them. He's putting a lot of thought into what he says, into what he communicates to them. There's a lot of weight in these words mm. because of the significance of the moment. And what he chooses to say is fascinating when you take all of that into mind, into consideration, because what he, cho- what he chooses to focus on is the gospel, which we would expect, and then generosity, which we might not expect. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so he's talking about the gospel, which from the Apostle Paul shouldn't seem terribly surprising, mm-hmm. um, but then there's this element of generosity that's tied into it where it might go, oh, okay, this, there's something else going on here in particular. Mm-hmm. So I know that there's a whole section of Acts 20 that kind of we're using as reference material, um, but it looks like we're, we're wanting to focus a little bit more on a particular section versus 32 and 35 mm-hmm. from the NIV is what we're usually reading from. Yep. <clears throat> Let me go ahead and uh, and read that, that section of this as, as Trevor was just kind of teeing up some of the context um, for what Paul was doing with the church in Ephesus and the elders there. So Paul says in verse 32 of Acts chapter 20, he says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And then jumping to verse 35, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. So... It's interesting that um, he definitely is talking about in terms of the word of his grace, speaking about the gospel, speaking about Jesus and um, and the actual, um, yeah, really what we put our hope in in the gospel message. Mm-hmm. But then also uh, he's tying it up at the end. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So I think we've heard that phrasing before. Mm-hmm. But maybe have we not heard that in context of the gospel message? Usually, it's just like, "Hey, it's like Christmas time. It's better to give than to receive." We say it to our kids, mm-hmm. like <laughs> we're yeah. trying to try to model that for them. Um, but give me a little bit more, Trev, on how is this tying into the gospel message? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think one thing that's interesting right off the bat is just the the language of it is more blessed. Uh, are blessed to give than to receive in light of our our happy Christmas series where right. one of the things we've delved into is the history of the word blessed and how, um, you know, that, that word was more clearly synonymous with the word happy 400 years ago. Right. Over 400 years, that word has kind of shifted a little bit. And so um, you, you probably could even more accurately say it is happier to give than to receive. It, right, right. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so interesting. Yeah, so there's, there's joy, there's happiness mm-hmm. that is tied to it. 
Um, and then looking at the the gospel, I mean, do we always tie those ideas together of this is the gospel, this is what Jesus did for us, died on the cross for us, um, we were separated from God and now we're not, but then also this idea of, well, it's better to give than to receive. Okay, how do we bring those things into compatibility, into an understanding together? Yeah. Um, I think it's great, especially around the Christmas season, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think one piece of that is, you know, at the very beginning, verse 32, he says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. The word of his grace being the gospel, right? The gospel message, uh, the message of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection that invites us back into the relationship with him that we're meant for. Um, and one of the things we talk about a lot at SMCC is that the gospel isn't just, um, you know, it's not just like something you uh, place trust in once and then you're, it's, it's basically... It, the gospel continues to invite us into further and further next steps, further right. and further into the life that Jesus invites us into. Mm-hmm. And uh, generosity is a piece of that. And I think that's the connection that Paul's making here. And some of the language we use around SMCC is this language of um, authority, identity, and activity, that the gospel impacts us in all of these areas, right? That the invitation is to let Jesus be the ultimate authority in our lives, to let him be the one who defines our identity and ultimately to let him direct the activity of our lives. And I think this right here um, really plays a big role in identity, the connection between the gospel and giving. Because one of the things that I've found in my own life um, is that our money flows freest, my money flows freest toward what I find my value in. Mm, Wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, find our value in. Yeah, that's so interesting. I I think that's true. I even just had a conversation with my wife who's a very generous person and she's she like tries to figure out like um you know where can we um give her be generous in especially in this time and season and like she's like notice when we have conversations about it um that depending on what that thing might be like there's certain things that i'm very eager to give to or to be generous in or whatever and then things where i'm like a little bit more hesitant to and um i definitely think that that plays into it that our money flows free is toward what we find our value in or yeah what we find i our value in or just value in in general but yeah those things yeah. definitely play into each other but in that identity aspect for sure yeah yeah if i find my identity in something that's where i understand my worth as being my value as being and so i'm going to invest in that yeah um so yeah so for me it's like easy to it's easy to spend money on on books right yeah right exactly <laughs> yeah and that's that's yeah. the point that my wife was trying to make she's like if we're giving towards xyz and you're really interested in that it's way easier for you to say yes to us giving to that i'm like yeah you're you're right that's true that's that's true. So, I mean, do you think that there's an opportunity for people in their next steps um, with Jesus to grow in their um, finding their identity in Jesus through different practices like generosity? Do you feel like that opportunity is there for them? Yeah, absolutely. I think on the one hand, like a, a helpful question, a helpful kind of reflection point is just that if there's like a sticking point around generosity, it could be for a variety of reasons, right? Maybe you've been burned in the past and so you're hesitant to kind of give to another organization. could be something like that. But I think that's that's an area where it's worth being curious around because I think at times an inability to practice generosity, it can be rooted in a misunderstanding of, of both grace and our identity. Whoa, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, so if, yeah, if I'm struggling or have hesitations in practicing generosity. It's possible that 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 stems from um, misunderstanding of grace or identity. Okay, yeah, that's a big Mm -hmm. topic. So I guess dive deeper into that. What do you mean by that? 
Yeah, yeah. So one of the, the example I gave is like books are easier to buy for me because I right. like them. Whether it's a book for like a novel I want to read, um, you know, a theological book I'm picking up for sermon series, or even just like a picture book for my kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Those are all easier because they they play into uh, like a self understanding that I already have of myself. And if that becomes sort of my my top card identity, right, or the mm-hmm. the the way I understand myself first and foremost, if that's where my value is. Um, entirely, then not only does my money flow free and easy to books, but it, it, it becomes restricted in every other direction. Yeah. And so yep. become far less generous because there's a misunderstanding of where my ultimate identity and values found. Yeah. And the gospel invites us to allow Jesus to define our identity, to, to see our value as really in his estimation of us and his love that's been poured out for us and the delight that he takes in us. And when we find our value there, when that's kind of the top card identity, that mm-hmm. when that's our, our sort of foundational understanding of ourselves, I think we find that our money flows much more freely down sort of generous streams. Yeah, yeah. And I like the tie-in back into identity, um, which I think you're talking a lot about there. But you also said that there's a, it could possibly be a misunderstanding of grace. So yeah, walk me through that as well. What is What can a misunderstanding of grace lead to in my inability or hesitation to practice in generosity. I think that that's, mm-hmm. a, you know, that's another angle as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. A misunderstanding of grace. I mean, on, on the one hand, we, we talk about like religion and irreligion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think religion teaches you that you have to, you don't have God's love. You have to earn God's love. Yeah. You don't have his yeah. approval. You have to earn his approval. Yep. And uh, generosity may just be like a box that you check to get there. And so maybe you practice generosity within a religious system, but it's not something that your heart's really in, not something you really enjoy. It's something yeah. you have to do, not something you get to do. Yeah, totally, totally. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so grace is, I guess I would say that's then a different motivation for generosity mm-hmm. where in re, in a religion, um, there is the, man, I have to do this. I have to make sure that I'm, like you said, checking the boxes. Um, but with, with more of a grace driven, um, belief, um, centered around the gospel, I guess then there is that opportunity. I get to do this. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. doing this to try to, um, please God per se, or make myself look better before God or trying to make sure I've done quote enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of like, wow, I get to be, I get to be a part of this. I get to see other people be a part of this. My generosity goes, um, and it impacts other people as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a big piece of it too. So a misunderstanding of grace in terms of how it impacts our own identity, but also an understanding a misunderstanding of grace in the possibility of redemption in other people. Mm, um, and in okay. that sense, I think, I think that giving is a redemptive act in, in a couple of different ways, because yeah. on the one hand, in order to give money away, um, rather than further investing in things that, you know, reinforce a certain sense of identity for ourselves, right, right, right. to give that money away is really sort of grounding ourselves and our identity is found first and foremost in, in Jesus, mm. that that's where it is. But also, Giving's a redemptive act in that we're giving with the belief, with the trust that generosity can fuel change and redemption and transformation in the lives of other people. Ooh, yeah. So we, when we trust in the gospel message, there is redemptive, um, there's redemption in our lives, mm-hmm. but also we get the opportunity to see that redemption through generosity in others too. We get to be a part of making that story, which which I think is cool. That's again yeah. the get to not have to and religion it's saying i i just have to do this i just have to get it done it's kind of like me going to the gym 
I just have to go do it. I have to go do it. I have to get it done. <laughs> that's that's how I view going to Vasa uh, three times a week right now. Um, but the generosity through the lens of grace, and Zena as a redemptive act is like, this is very cool. I'm a piece of the story of somebody else's redemptive story yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I know one of the you know ministry partner projects you've been working with, holding out help and the whole delivering Christmas initiative mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, I think that's just all of these different ways that we have opportunities to kind of step in and, and practice generosity to give on behalf of other people to serve it. Um, I think that's part of the reason why Jesus says it's happier to give than to receive Mm. because you get to see on on the front end, there's an element of trust and belief in the possibility of redemption. And on the Mm. back end, you get to see that redemption taking place and know that you played, Um, you know, even just a small role within that, that I think is a very satisfying, a very joyful thing. Yeah. So maybe just sometimes we're just short-sighted when there's, um, when we feel that hesitation to practice in generosity because Mm -hmm. that impact is there. And and maybe we're just not good at, you know, seeing it sometimes, but it, Mm -hmm. but it does exist. There's people's lives who are changed, um, Mm -hmm. when, when we are generous and when we're not just (laughs) hoarding, Mm -hmm. um, these good things that God has given us to ourselves, there's, there's other purposes for those means. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that that can be, um, you know, sometimes we, we've talked about in the intro that it can be difficult to believe in the possibility of redemption in our own lives, whether it's in our uh, selves or in people we've been in relationship with. And um, I know one of the most satisfying things about, um, you know, working in the way that we do and even serving within church, I know it's a conviction for, for both of us that even if we weren't in ministry, we would be part of a, a local church and yeah. committed and involved yep. in it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the satisfying things about that is really seeing stories of redemption take place and knowing uh, that, that we had a chance to play a role in that. Yeah. And in different mm-hmm. facets too. Like mm-hmm. I even think about generosity. I think a lot of times we just think about that with our financial means, which definitely is a big piece of it, but that can be really that I feel like that should be exercised in every facet of our life. So our time or her talents like can be in there yeah. uh, or often like we say our treasure, which is like, yeah, the paycheck that I get, um, you know, every other week or every month or whatever. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, yeah, people's lives are impacted by what we do. I love talking about like the ROI return on investment. I like to see my money do something, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's in my retirement account or in my savings account or, when I give it away, I want to see it do something. Yeah. I want to see it redemption. That's yeah. that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, I want exactly. to see something really cool come from it. Yeah, and I think most of us feel that way. Um, and so, with that, I think kind of as a transition here, what we want to do in the next section of this is just give you a chance to, you know, if you've given uh, in terms of time, in terms of resources, in terms of uh, finances, if you've invested in SMCC, um, or maybe if it's something you're considering doing, we want to just give you a chance to hear a story of someone whose life has actually been impacted, who has experienced redemption at SMCC uh, so that you can know basically that you played a small part within that uh, and that the possibility to do the same in the future is there. And so with that, we're going to go ahead and throw it to Trinity's story. Hey, I'm Kyle. I'm one of the staff members here at SMCC Draper. I'm here with Trinity, who's getting baptized today. Trinity, tell me, what was it like growing up here in Utah for you? Yeah, so um, I grew up pretty religious. My dad was a pastor, so I always grew up knowing about Christ, knowing about, you know, Jesus and God, but I don't think I ever truly understood what that meant in my life. Okay, so didn't really understand it, so it probably didn't stick through your teenage years. What, <laughs> what happened? 
I was kind of in and out of it, ebbed and flowed. Um, I really liked control and controlling my own <laughs> life. So a lot of it was, I think I can do it better than God can. Um, and I didn't really let him in or let him take control. Yeah. And it kind of got to the point where I was trying so hard to control my own life that I was really setting myself into like a deep depression and anxiety because when things weren't going my way, it, the world was crumbling essentially. Wow. So that's happening. You're experiencing all this turmoil. <laughs> what made you switch and start looking for Jesus? Yeah, so um, a little later into my life, I almost lost someone who meant a lot to me to suicide, and my world completely shattered. I didn't know what to believe. I didn't know who to believe. I, I was pushing everyone that I loved and cared about out of my life, and um, my boyfriend, husband now, boyfriend at the time, he was constantly pursuing me and, and still trying to, you know, get me to come to church and telling me, you know, God loves me, but I just, I didn't really believe him. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I was so depressed and so just unsure of what to do. I was like, okay, fine, like, I'll come to church with you. I, I don't know what to do. Took me to church and Ben, one of the worship leaders here, he played highs and lows, which essentially talks about how we can be at the highest point in our life or we can be at the lowest point of our life and despite where we are, God's still pursuing us and He still wants us. And that really resonated with me because I was at the lowest point in my life. I really thought I was beyond saving, beyond being loved and He was still pursuing me the entire time. Just like you know, my husband was pursuing me, it really just was like a metaphor to how God and Jesus was still pursuing me at that time. So you're learning about Jesus as He's chasing down after you? Yeah. And now you've given your life to him. Why are you getting baptized? Who's baptizing you? And why are you getting baptized then? <laughs> yeah, so my husband is baptizing me. The reason oh. I chose him was because he really, really showed me what Christ-like love was. And he showed me what, you know, how Christ was pursuing me. And it was honestly just so eye-opening and so... Just beautiful to see that and he's helped me through so much. He's the one that keeps me accountable. He's the one that keeps me praying. He's the one yeah. that, you know, just really holds me to that. And so I wanted him to baptize me today. Gotcha. Yeah. So he's baptizing you. What what's the purpose of baptism? Why why are you choosing to do this now? Yeah, yeah. I just want to show my community, my friends, my family, everyone in my life that I'm truly fully devoted and fully delighted in Christ and that I want him to reflect in every you know, position and situation in my life and that I want to show everyone that no matter what you're going through, even if you feel like you're at your lowest, He's still pursuing you and He still loves you and that you can get to a position where you can, you know, be fully devoted and fully delighted. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm glad that's your story. I'm glad that Jesus never stopped chasing after you. I'm excited <laughs> that you're taking this next step today. Thank you. Thank you. Redemption is beautiful and real, and Trinity's story proves that. And the truth is, her story is just one of many. For example, this past fiscal year, we celebrated 135 baptisms together. That's 135 stories of redemption, 135 stories just like Trinity's. And when you give to SMCC, you're investing in just that. You're giving to help so many stories like Trinity's happen and Callie's, and Pierce's, and Elena's, and Austin's, and so many more. You're joining in the mission of helping as many people as possible take their next step 
towards becoming fully devoted and fully delighted followers of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, you're investing in your own delight as well. And so this Christmas season, I leave you with a paraphrase of Paul's final words to his own Ephesian friends. Remember the gospel as the place where your true identity is found and allow it to inspire you to greater joy and generosity. Merry Christmas. Poo-poo to the Who's, he was grinchily humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the Who's down in Whoville will all cry, Boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. He paused, and the Grinch put a hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. This sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded glad. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzed till his puzzle was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more.